0: Thank you, Kirk, and good morning, everybody. It's amazing to be with you, and uh, it's such a joy to be getting together, and, you know, people have traveled, people have moved, whatever, and then we come together at Christmas, and so uh, it's just great. If you've traveled to be with family and you're with us this morning, you're so welcome. Last night, we virtually had people who'd never met each other before, sharing our Christmas table with us, and, uh, and so there were people who'd literally known me all my life. My mother was there, and, uh, and my older brother, and, and there were people we'd met very recently, but the joy of being together, and there's a sense for me this morning of coming. I haven't met some of you, but just the sheer joy of gathering as God's family in His presence to give thanks for His Son uh, what an absolute delight! So we've been looking at a at a short series. The younger pastors and Bible scholars in the church have been doing this, and so Kirk started us off in our um, Advent season, and then I myself, as one of the young pastors, did a session, and then Nate did one from uh, London Bible, uh, the uh, uh, Christ for the Nation School, and then um, Kirk did another one while I was at Classic. And, and we want to wrap this up and kind of bring this together. Now, if you weren't here, you can always listen back if you want to, but uh, I'll try and keep it thing as we focus. So today we, we've had a chance to look at gift, and we're going to come back to it. Um, but Christmas is obviously about more than gift. Sometimes we're given things we need, which we didn't really want, or things we don't need but we really want. Things we can eat or we can't, or things for fun like toys or else things we wear. Anyone get a tie or socks for Christmas? Um, and things we definitely shouldn't eat. Um, so, and then there's some gifts that, that, that come as promises. Uh, how many of you got promised an experience? So you're going to go and do something with your gift. Um, and so sometimes a gift is the thing you've gotten. Sometimes the gift is the promise of the future. But this Christmas, and we're going to get to the gift towards the end of the message, we've been focusing on the signs that point us to the gift. Signs that, when we follow them, lead us to God. You see, Christmas tells us that God has come to us. The angel appearing to Joseph says, You're going to call him Emmanuel, which means. God with us. God coming to us. The prophet um, Isaiah said that we shouted in the towns of, of, of Judah, your God is among you. So we want to look at what are the signs that we can follow and find God. So we're going to go to John chapter 1. So we've looked at Matthew, we've looked at Luke, Mark, it's a little light on Christmas detail, but John gives us a little bit of theology to kick us off this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, speaking of Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. So when God spoke, literally, it was Jesus involved in that moment Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So we're almost back in the beginning of Genesis itself. So the creator God is coming. This is the God who made all things. It's the God who gives life to all things. In him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. This God also gives light and perspective. C.S. Lewis said that he had become a Christian not because he could Look perfectly at the light it was too bright. Can't ex- He's not a Christian because he can explain everything about God. He's a Christian because when that light is shining in his life, he can see everything else. That light is the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. We jump several verses just so we don't miss the point. And that word became flesh in the Latin It was incarnate, and He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, says John, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, filled up with grace and truth. Signs are very important in our lives. Someone help me. Why do we have signs? Directions—they tell us where to go. This sign, by the way, is taken on the uh, as you approach the end coming out of Stillby. Uh, and so, if you turn right, coming out of Stillby. So we've got some people in the congregation who are still there. So I don't know why I chose that one. Um, <laughs> so we've got several families off in Stillby as we speak. So why else do we have signs? Information, warning, instruction, command, demand. You know, there's a bunch of reasons why signs might be given in our lives. Uh, so now, if you are a younger person here, maybe not as, yeah, what does this sign mean? <laughs> no cyclists answer, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet time of prayer. Okay, that's from one of the elders. (laughs) Okay, give me the real answer. This sign means stop. Okay, what's the difference with that sign? What's the difference? The one you're supposed to stop and go away. (laughs) Don't go in there. The other is you're just supposed to stop, check things out, and then you can go. So it's it's really important that we sort of like know how to handle the signs. And so as we've been looking at this, we've been following the signs, finding God. So what were some of the signs we looked at? We looked at the sign of the star that the wise men or the magi from the east led them to keep seeking. So they, they assumed that the king of the Jews would be born in Jerusalem. So they went there, only to find out he wasn't, and it was very tragic Because ultimately, the tyrant Herod learned that of the significance of this sign. Interesting, Herod believed it. I mean, he he didn't question it. He believed it so much that he murdered hundreds of babies in the Bethlehem area for fear that one of them would succeed him and take away his rule and his throne. So the thing we saw when we looked at this sign was that Discovering a sign does not guarantee the right response. We sometimes think, if only God would give me a sign, then I would believe, or then I would obey, then I would know. And actually, again and again, in life and in Scripture, we see that discovering a sign does not guarantee the right response. Herod's response to the sign was to believe it and to plan evil. The teacher's response was to discuss it. Remember, they knew where the answer was. They knew who this would be in Bethlehem. But they did nothing with it. They saw, heard, discovered, discussed, understood the sign. But they never went to Bethlehem. They never bowed before Jesus. They never opened their lives and their treasures to him. Only the wise men follow the sign all the way to the point of, and I love this passage, it says they opened their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they worshipped him. We sang about them earlier. The second sign is a baby in a nappy. Now, this may surprise you, you know, we often read of swaddling clothes, that's just a nice term for the fact that they didn't have disposable nappies, or whatever it is, or safety pins, and so, you know, you couldn't just leave a sharp thing there, so they used, they just used to wrap the babies up, so swaddling clothes is an advanced term for huggies, and so, Yeah, you have, and I mean, it's actually worth reading this sign, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were scared spitless, I mean, it's hard to translate that term, they were not just phobic, they were completely terrified by what was going on around them. I don't know if you've ever encountered a uFO or something like this, but this you know this level of glory that happened to these random misunderstood, often suspected marginal people suddenly there they are and That which caused Isaiah in his deepest prayer time to fall down and say, Woe is me, I'm an unclean man, suddenly appears to these shepherds in the field. The full glory of God shines all around them. Night becomes day. And they are scared, so the angel says to them, as Kirk explained to us, Do not be afraid. When you see them in their full identity, you do find it pretty scary. Why? Because I come to bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's what, that's what this message is about. Today, in the town of David, a Savior, a Savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the long-awaited, anointed one, Christ. So that term Christ or Messiah, Mashiach, is how they describe their king. Their kings were the anointed one. He is the ruler. He is the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, wrapped in a nappy, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared. The host just means army. So now this is like a military parade. And they're with the angel, and they're praising God. They're shouting, declaring, singing. Glory, if you're in the Latin. And uh, in excelsis, they have glory to God in the highest, in the highest, in the highest heaven in a sense, in the highest everywhere, in every sense And then on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, some translations try and sort of like make it on earth, there's going to be peace for those whom God likes. No, it's that God has chosen to bestow his favor on humankind through the gift of Jesus. You're going to have to decide whether or not you receive it. So he is Savior, he is Christ, he's Mashiach, the long-awaited King. He is the Lord, and his kingdom is good news of great joy for all the people. And that's why we know that that other dodgy translation, not correct, of course. Why would it be for all people if only some people get God's favor? So yeah. I don't don't know if this strikes you. I, I think this is quite funny, actually. In these desperate, humble surroundings, in this oppressed nation in which people couldn't talk freely, move freely, in which the Pax Romana, or the peace of Rome, literally meant oppression and fear and terror. Into this space, as these shepherds, They must not miss the baby's identity, and so they're going to be given a sign. I don't know about you, but you know, if you've got a terrifying, glow-in-the-dark angel who then appears with a whole host and army of other angelic beings who are shouting and declaring things, I would have thought that would be the sign. (laughs) Um, Anyone else? Like, like, surely that's the sign. Surely that's the evidence that God is here. And there's a sense, of course, in which that's true. But isn't it remarkable that the Word becoming flesh is the sign? That the King, the Messiah, the Savior is a baby in a nappy. He is so vulnerable, he needs someone else to dress him, clean him, feed him, carry him. He can do nothing by himself. He has humbled himself completely to enter the world on our terms. This will be the sign that those promises are true. This will be the sign that God sees you, that he knows you. This will be the sign that God will enter the world as a human being, on our terms. This will be the sign that the God who made you, sees you, enters life with you and for you. The God who made you loves you and comes for you. Now, we could talk about the terrifying angels, but one of the greatest signs, and Matthew keeps talking about it, is the signs around the life of Jesus are the prophecies from the Old Testament that keep being fulfilled again and again and again, you know, and why is Matthew doing this? He's trying to show us a timeless sign or timeless signs. See, the difficulty with the other signs is that we weren't there 2,000 years ago. You didn't see the -the glow-in-the-dark angel. You didn't get to go to the manger and look in a crude animal-feeding trough and see a baby in nappies. You didn't get to walk, you know, from the far east all the way through, taking almost two years to get to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem to worship the baby. Those signs... They signs for sure they recorded they've got eyewitness credibility. But there are signs that you can see. And these signs that we can see are fulfilled in scripture again and again. You see it's mind-blowing if you try and think about it. If you want to see a sign, pick up your Bible. And then understand that this book has been written over thousands of years, and that hundreds of years before this baby was born, the prophets were talking about this little boy, the circumstances of his birth, what his life would look like, what his ministry would look like, what his death would look like. Every important event in his life is prophesied and declared in advance, even You know, there were the miraculous elements, there were the ordinary elements, there were the surprising elements. It's there again and again and again. In his birth, a couple of dozen. In his life, death, resurrection, hundreds. Can I say to you, God's word is a sign, a sign of God's great love. It's not just a rule book. You've misunderstood the message, if that's what it represents to you. It's an extraordinary communication. It's the story of God. 2009, I remember with our family driving through the high mountains of Lesotho, from a town or city called Mochatlong uh, to the Katsi Dam. And uh, that's just an example of uh, some of the roads that's actually a road in Lesotho, and probably one of the roads that we were literally driving on on that day. The landscape is breathtaking. The roads are a challenge, and uh, so you either go there in a four-by-four four or a hired Uno. Um <laughs> <laughs> But one of the things was there were no signs. Like there were no signs. Like if you're near the border, there's a few signs. But once you start going up into those high mountains, you better know where you're going or you better know someone who knows where they're going. And so we had sort of like memorized our route, but, you know, you couldn't see the contours and you couldn't judge everything. And at one point, high in the mountains like this, we stopped to check that we were on the right road. There was an elderly gentleman who was standing at the intersection. Katsy dam. Cutsi dam. No. You can't get there from here. <laughs> like, like it was on the moon, you know. Like if you can't get there from here, then you can get there. You can't get there because the way you get there from here is always to go somewhere, to go somewhere. And and maybe in fairness to him, it was lost in translation on us. Because then he proceeded to say, "You don't have to make a U-turn. You're on the right road, but you need to go here, and then you need to go here, and then you need to go here, and then you can get there." We were very relieved. But maybe some of us feel like this when we hear about this God who made us. In Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made. Who has become flesh. Who has come to us. Who's come to save. Who's literally entering a world of pain and injustice and brokenness and evil in order to redeem all things and make all things new. Maybe when you think about where you are right now, you're thinking Christmas is great for everyone else. Maybe they live in towns closer to Katsedam. But Craig, if you knew my story, you'd know I can't get there from here. And you're disqualifying yourself from receiving and believing the message of Christmas. Can I tell you, based on God's word, that there is nothing that we can, no place that we can take ourselves in which ultimately these promises about the nature and the person and the coming of Jesus would not be true for you and for me. If Jesus has come for you, you can get there from here. You can. Why? Why? Because all these signs, and we could kind of just think, okay, it's, i just got to believe this. No, no, no. We need to understand the meaning of the message, which is that this God who made you has come to save you. He is the Savior. He is the King, and He will start a kingdom And one day that kingdom will literally govern the whole earth. And he does start small. He starts as small as a mustard seed. He starts as small as a baby in Mary's womb. But you'd be mistaken if you think, I can't get to God. Well, in one sense, maybe it is true. Romans 3 verse 23 says, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the next verse talks about a gift. It says that we can be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes to us through the Messiah, Jesus. There is a redemption that comes to us through the Messiah, Jesus. Back to John chapter 1. The true light that gives light. was coming into the world. He's coming to you. He's coming to us. He's coming to find us. We think I can't get there from here. He says, that's fine. I'll get to you. He was in the world, the greatest sign of all. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And then speaking of the covenant people, Of Israel at the time, he came to that which is his own, but they did not receive him. And then this, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the authority, the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, human decision or a husband's will, but literally born of God. This is good news of great joy. And it can be for all people. In other words, you are not disqualified. In other words, you can get there from wherever you are. If you'll look to him, if you'll receive him, if you'll say yes, this is the good news that we can tell from the mountains. Worship team, let's have you. This is the good news that we can declare to the world. This is the good news that as we Believe in Him, in His name, as we receive Him. To believe in His name, His name is Emmanuel, God with us. To believe in His name, His name is Jesus, our God will save. To believe in His name, His name is the Christ, He is the Messiah. To believe in His name, He is the Lord. And so as I believe in Him this Christmas, no matter where I am, I can follow the signs and find my God.